Welcome to the Access VFX podcast, pursuing inclusion, diversity, awareness and opportunity in VFX, animation and games industries. Hi, I'm Simon Devereaux, founder and director of Access VFX, bringing the visual effects animation and games industry together, working towards a shared goal to make our industry more diverse and inclusive by taking action rather than just talking about it. Hello, I'm Simon, founder and director of Access VFX, and welcome to season two, episode 14 of the Access VFX podcast. On each episode of the pod, we interview a different member of the VFX animation and games community and ask them a range of questions from the famous Access VFX vault. Every week, we invite talented folks from the world of visual effects animation and games, including heavyweights and those just getting started in the industry, and ask them about their journey from humble beginnings, big breaks and learnings through to shamelessly mining their brains for career advice and their thoughts on how we can create a more inclusive and diverse creative community. For our 14th episode, it's our Mother's Day special, and I had the best conversation with ILM senior recruiter Leanne Lochran. We break down growing up in South Africa, being a working mom in the industry, losing her job during the pandemic, the power of stories and problem solving through expert gift buying. Anyway, enough from me. We very much hope you enjoy episode 14 of the Access VFX podcast. Hello and welcome to the Access VFX podcast, season two, episode 14. It's me, Simon, and our guest today has been in the visual effects and animation industry for over 16 plus years. With such a rich and interesting career path with a background in interior design, no less, our guest started out as an art teacher, then worked at a number of studios as a 3D artist, then founded an animation studio then to specialize as a talent manager and recruiter for some of the biggest names in animation and visual effects, including Ardman, Outpost VFX, Frontier Visual Effects, and now senior recruiter at Industrial Light and Magic, otherwise known as ILM, and somehow managed to fit in traveling and raising a young family amid all of this. I should also mention an OG Access VFX e-mentor. It's the wonderful, it's Leanne Lochran. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really honoured to be on. And I have to say, number 14 is my lucky number. No way, no way. Yay. No, also lucky for us is this podcast should drop the, the week, the Friday before Mother's Day. So this is officially a, a Mother's Day special because I know you've always been quite vocal about being a, a working mother in industry, Leanne. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's part, part of who I am. It goes hand in hand with my other role. So, yeah. Sunday will be my lie-in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You make the most of it. it all kicks off again on Monday. The wonderful world, the war on talent continues on the Monday. Yeah. So, Liam, we last connected. I forget the year now. It was way, way back. And I remember coming out to Outpost VFX with Tom Box, our amazing producer on the podcast. Does a lot more than that, of course. I mean, he's co-founder of Blue Zoo and lots of other amazing things. But I remember coming out and having some really great conversations with you. And I was super kind of saddened to hear about you losing your, your role at Outpost during the, the pandemic. And I know the pandemic affected us, affected us all in varying yeah. ways. But how, how did you deal with that? How was that? How did you manage that? Yeah, I mean, it was such a hard time. Gosh, March 2020. I, I worked for around eight weeks of that time and I had the homeschooling issue I've got the time I had five-year-old twins so I actually switched my hours to working for Montreal studio so I was doing the nine till three homeschooling and then switching with my husband and then jumping online and working up to like midnight 
So I was for eight weeks, I was absolutely drained. Um, and, and then I was furloughed, which at the time was quite welcome because I thought, you know, this is such a hard time for my kids. I can focus on them. And, you know, the understanding was by sort of August, everything would restart again and I'd jump back into my role and kids going back to school and the world's happy again and unfortunately that that isn't the case as with a lot of people experienced I I I went to redundancy and oh man it was so hard because output if you cut me in half it would have said outpost I helped build Mm. that studio and you know I yeah I, I was absolutely gutted I think Having gone through a redundancy, if anyone is listening, uh, you you question you yourself a lot. Even though it's like the world is falling apart around us, I, I know this was not you know outpost. They're, they're my best friends and still are. It wasn't personal. You just have that doubt and what on earth do I do now? Because we both work full time. We both support our family. I live in Bournemouth. There was one visual effects studio. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there should there should be more. Definitely should be more. Oh, absolutely. But there, yeah. You know, with 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 the uni, uh, what what on earth do I do? And who am I? You know, I really questioned everything. And then um, I I actually took a role, temporary role, teaching back at Southampton Uni, where I was teaching um, fine art and on their interior design course. Um, but it was just one day a week. And, and then it was somebody, and I was quite vocal on LinkedIn about how hard this process was, like just shouting out, just like trying to reconnect with my network. Um, and, and a fantastic editor I hired at Outpost, who'd since left, sent me a message and he said, have you seen this, ILM are hiring a senior recruiter? And I thought, well, ILM had just never even been on my radar in terms of that I would work there because I, I live in Bournemouth. And I applied and, and, and yeah, through, through a lot of talking and a lot of, because the San Francisco studio do the hiring for the recruitment team in London, I, well, and going from some really highs and lows, bad lows to just being on this high that I could do this job as a hybrid form or remotely initially was incredible. So I believe I got through it in hindsight, which is a brilliant thing by you know everything happens for a reason I completely agree with you I mean I've been through redundancy twice in my career and they always led to something better and the network always shows up like we, we talk a lot yeah. on the podcast around the, the importance of growing a really strong network keeping kind of people around you whether it's family friends connections co-workers and people do show up you know when you when you go through tough times and I remember you've always been you've always been a great voice on on LinkedIn I think you've always been quite authentic and whether it's about pushing roles out or whether it's been about just a film you've seen or just, I don't know, yeah. like it's a really authentic voice you have on, on social media, I've always found. And I'm not just saying that because you're a guest on the podcast, it's yeah. genuine. But yeah, that's a great example of, you know, a role that you loved. And I know, I mean, I when, yeah, when I first met you, I was so impressed and knew you lived and breathed Outpost. And yeah, again, no disrespect to the studio. They're still very much uh, connected to Access VFX as, as, as members. And we continue to work with them as we do with everyone else. So yeah, present company yeah. accepted. But just and it's brilliant that they've, it's brilliant that they've just, they've, they've been able to pull it, turn it around as, as all the studios have as well. 
from from pandemic so yeah no absolutely something better comes along and everything happens for a reason and you mm. learn so much from these experiences I mean I still learn every day on how okay, you okay. can pull how you can pull um how you can turn the negatives around mm. but yeah my network showed up and I I love being honest on LinkedIn it's mm. not I just you know that it shouldn't be a faceless recruitment or faceless mm. uh, connection. So, and it doesn't always have to be banging on about recruitment. You can yes. use the platform to what it should be discussing great, great films or, or issues, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And I think yeah, what, what you've said there is in many ways, you know, opportunities come from things happening for you, not to you. Like, you know, it's very easy when things happen. It's always oh, it's happened to me and, oh, you know, and you're going to go through emotions and you're going to react, of course, but you choose your your reaction don't you and i think seeing seeing life like that is is so important so a great a great example and a great example of how arguably the role you've got now may have been a london-based role pre-pandemic i mean you know with with yeah. all of the remote working that has come from from the pandemic and it's been a tough time for a lot of people you know there's been a lot of good that's kind of come from from the world changing in that respect yeah, absolutely. I've got to, you know, and you know, my team will will echo. There's absolutely no way three years ago I would have been able to do this role and oh. in, in live where I do and in the form that I do. So, yeah, I'm glad we got to keep you in the industry, Leanne. Yeah. Really- oh my God. No, no. I was. Yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't not. I mean, when I did question, like where, because I, as we're probably going to touch upon, I've got quite a lot of different backgrounds and strings of where I could have gone. Um, yeah. And yeah, no, I, yeah, I'm, I'm glad and, and, and to do it for Island. I've been a big fan and a big geek. <laughs> it's <laughs> no, a say. dream. It is a dream. Amazing. Amazing. Well, let's, let's get into the podcast. I think we could, I could talk about the pandemic, post-pandemic learnings yeah. for the whole hour. So like we said, nice Mother's Day special. And when you did connect, Leanne, you did say you were quite happy to talk about being a working mum in the industry. And I think it's something that we, we need to have more conversations around, particularly working parents and 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 some of the challenges whether we're talking pre or, or post pandemic everything is around the pandemic now isn't it like whether yeah. it's like the you know bp or you know whatever bcad i don't know whatever the religious <laughs> yeah. analogy is i'm not getting into that now or clever enough but uh, let's get let's get into the podcast let's open the access vfx vault and dive into question one which is where in the world are you and where did you grow up liam well as as i said i'm in um southbourne which is just along from bournemouth uh, by the sea right now but how I got here was a wild and wonderful route so I grew up actually in South Africa and lived there so South Africa in the 80s I'm an 80s child and when I was seven 1990 I um, my parents are British we relocated back to the northeast Teesside so then I grew up yeah I, I, I grew up and integrated back into into British life there and I, I I think I'm just trying to run away back to South Africa somehow. I'm just keep going further further south. Yeah, go, go with <laughs> What were the circumstances then around living in in South Africa? What was what? Was... Yeah, um, it's uh, it's my incredible parents. What they did, they emigrated when they were they were married at 18 and emigrated over there. For my dad had an apprenticeship engineering uh, company, which you know was quite quite a thing there in the the 80s to do so they just that plunge and had me and my sister over there um, a few years later 
their, their plan was always to come back, I think, for schooling. But yeah, 1990 was quite a turb- turbulent time in South Africa. So they, they, they made the call. But actually, I didn't, because in South Africa, the, um, the schooling starts at age seven. So I was about to go into school. Uh, and obviously, it's four over here. So I was sort of three years behind when I came back, uh, which, which was, you know, even, even now, I still remember it, of that feeling. I did extra classes after, after primary school to, to catch sure. up. How interesting. Yeah. I mean, what Do you have a lot of memories from growing up in South Africa, apart from obviously you know, the catch-up at school? Yeah, yeah, no, I do. Time. And I think it's because I absolutely thrived. Like, I'm really outdoorsy. And like my mum and dad used to call me, you know, Mowgli from The Jungle Book, because that's what I just looked like, like running around barefoot all the time, you know, swimming constantly. And my so many memories of, of growing up in made still some of my best friends I've kept in touch with it's such a when we talk about networks like my mum and dad had to do that they had to create this supportive network because they had no family they were kids man they were 18 doing this so so yeah I do and I think because they've spoken about it a lot and there's that thing isn't there with are there memories or their memories of memories mm. being talked about but I do remember coming back and refusing refusing the clock's first school shoe try on <laughs> that was that was mandatory. Yeah, exactly. yeah I remember that but yeah no I do and I really remember the, the feeling of catching just this being I was basically in a playgroup till seven because it was like you know like kindergarten and not the curriculum we have here I so just for that feeling of being you know a bit of a outsider and a bit of a, you were the, you know, I talked funny, I looked funny, I couldn't, I wasn't at the same speed of them. But, you know, I mean, and kids, and now I've got kids, they're incredibly resilient. Oh, you get on with it, don't you? I mean, look at what, I mean, yeah, again, sorry to keep coming back to the pandemic, but, you know, yeah, everything, yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I saw my, my son, he went from about five to seven and a half through the pandemic and just seeing how he just kind of got on with it and just, you know, you know the homeschooling, it's such a massive thing to deal with at that age you know it's it's inspiring isn't it they Mm. are and I think it you know we were like oh my gosh this is gonna affect them and you know had all put in all of our thoughts and preconceptions and worries and actually it's just like all right they just they just did it this is what we're doing now okay Um, so I mean at that age as well my my kids similar age to your to your son and it's I think, you know, obviously different age groups had different battles, but yeah, so I do have a lot of fond memories about growing up and then, yeah, growing up in the 90s and 2000s. Amazing. Well, I did not know that about you, Leanne. That's why I love doing yeah. this podcast. You find out these awesome. little nuggets about, about people that you've had <laughs> no idea about. So my office fast become my favourite question on the podcast, which is the, uh, the class, as a recruiter, you'll probably enjoy this as well. It's the three words that describe you. So what what's the big three that you've gone for? <laughs> I did and I gosh I struggled with this and I had to sort of I asked a few um, close people uh, to me because you? I was like yeah obviously yeah strategize and there was a recurring three pillars <laughs> so that's what I'm gonna go with um, so thoughtful is one which is um which is lovely to hear but I probably would say my mission in life is to always buy the perfect gift for somebody I am like gift finder it's can help me it's out. Us also, 
yeah it's also a cut it's also a curse because it's like the pressures of I I just and it's not obviously materialistic it's it's experiences and I just love solving problems and that's how I see gifts of just trying to succeed so and I'm quite a thoughtful person so that that's that's one I'm creative everything I do is got this it's always had this strand of even if it's a spreadsheet which is like my world now I still try and be really creative with it in everything and then finally geek I am a geek I am just yeah so a thoughtful creative geek is is probably summing me up amazing amazing I think I love that you've mentioned creative because it comes up on a lot of the podcasts as always around linking it to problem solving so whenever we historically think about creative or or creatives in our industry we think of the artist community and actually you know we should be attacking all disciplines all departments all departments should be thinking about how can we do things differently how can we make this interesting and seeing it as a problem solve whether it's the day job or whether it's uh, finding a gift for someone I love that yeah (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah, I think thoughtful is great as well. It's all about taking a, a step back, you know, helicoptering over something and, you know, really considering the challenges at hand. So it's all, it's all linked. And obviously Geek is great. I think most, I think our industry is populated by people who love the, the content. Whenever I ask this question, when somebody says passionate, for example, I always, I've started correcting people now because I think yeah. it's a given that you're passionate about. You know, nobody works in visual effects animation or games if you don't have a passion for visual effects animation in games you know you could work anywhere in the world you know and do a thing but if you're whether you're on the box or you're a producer or you're in any discipline within our industry there's still a lot of love for the on-screen products whatever it is so, yeah we all we have to be fans and whether it's you geek out on the process of the breakdowns or if it's the finished product or you just your love mm. for technology we yeah geek is i mean i've just always been a big big geek and celebrating geek I love I love it I'm and I pull on it daily I have to because my people I speak I speak to so many people each day uh they would doubt me if I was faking it I you know yeah they 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 love that about our conversations so yeah Big up the geeks. Well, we'll be putting your geek done to the test later with the, the geeky section when we get into shots yeah. and, and shows. So what inspires you, Leanne? <laughs> What's the, what gets you out of bed in the morning, gets your juices flowing? So what inspires me? I, everything, everything. And that's such a cliche answer. But I, I think where I, what I see my eyes look at um, inspires me, whether it's people, my family, my kids, stories I absolutely love stories and people and I just thrive on connecting and pulling um, synergy with what I see and hear into my daily life as a mum or as a recruiter and then and then more on the you know innovation inspires me technology I'm yeah. back to being a geek and when that combines with like art visually aesthetic pleasing yeah things inspire me you know it's funny isn't it kind of like the craft of what we do it scares me off when i see the amount of geometry and maths and and technical expertise that goes into creating something incredibly visual for a, a movie or show a tv episodic piece but the output is always so what's the word like just beautiful 
yeah it's art and but behind yeah. the scenes it's so technical it's I don't know it kind of freaks me out a little bit <laughs> you know it is it's incredible and and it's like how you everybody's faith in that final render or that final output has took months sometimes years mm. of it not looking pretty you know yeah. just of it layer, layering 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 but that faith that it'll all just come together for the end shot is what we see on our screens but yeah I feel privileged to know that story of how how we get how we get what we see and it's incredible yeah absolutely and, and what you said there about stories really resonates with me it's something that it's my thing at the moment just I've all, all, almost had an epiphany where everything is story everything you know I mean you know if we talk specifically about your craft you know every interview chat coffee you're hearing people's stories aren't you you're hearing people's journey you know you can't just sit down with somebody and go well I'm brilliant at this technical craft or this piece of software because actually you want to hear about what makes them them or makes them a person and a human and somebody to work with and that's just the recruitment side right because then you've got just stories in general and 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 film and tv and conversation everything right yeah everything builds up to you're just a a speck in a a story and you're Mm. just trying to bridge in my role I just bridge those people to you know where they're going they're at crossroads where they're going on their journey and I love the stories that when you know I've met somebody whether it be at then oh you know I've hired them three years ago and then they come back oh god yeah following my life and it's just like I was at an event culture uni two weeks ago I think it was and I a couple of the artists came for ILM and I'd not met them before obviously pandemic word here we go again and there was one one girl Anna and and she's one of our animators and I'm like it's bugging me I know you I know you but obviously I'm not going to go on LinkedIn straight away stalk and I thought and obviously we were so busy but driving home from St Albans obviously I had a couple of hours in the car I'm thinking Anna, Anna, Anna and then I was like I've got it she was on the Ardman Academy back in like 2016, 2017. And I sat with her and put together her CV. And she had this, she was adamant that she wanted this uh, reel of film on there. And obviously some of my, our, my advice, I was like, you know, try and try and simplify it a little bit. Yeah. Um, but she really stuck with me. And then I, I pinged her when I got home and I was like, I've got it. It's you. And <laughs> did you have a reel of film on your CV? And she was like, oh my God, how did you remember? But it's just I love that that circle, and yeah. then we're on a we're on a stand together. I you know five years later. Well, that's the thing is it goes back to network as well, and almost like being open to having those conversations and taking advice because it's that the little exchange you would have had with that individual could and probably did set them off on a, a different course or trajectory. <laughs> and I think that's amazing, like these proper sliding doors moments that happen. Yeah. But that's yeah. a great, yeah, and that's a great story. And I, I'm a big believer in following those those stories. You know, those people you connect yeah. with, particularly in our line of the work, where it is around inspiring careers and advice and mentorship, and just how those little touch points can literally change someone's life. Yeah, and yourself as well. Like you know, how you treat people or how mm. you interact could be impacting future you or future them. And and it is it's just that authentic. Being, being true to your authentic self because you never know somebody who's a runner serving you tea might be the visual effects exactly. supervisor in tw- 20 years or you know so so just you've got to just 
take every moment. Smith, the older I get, the more I'm amazed at people's career arcs because I've met yeah. so many apprentices, interns, and runners, and all these people that started out and then seen where they are now. And you've got art directors, creative directors, you know, heads of department. And crikey, I'm really showing my age now. But yeah. it's amazing. Like I, I'm a massive believer. I could talk about story all day, whether it's in the context of a, a show or, or, or life in general. We're in danger of getting Shakespearean, Leanne, all the world to yes. stage, etc. Um, Let's hit me with, me with the next one. Let's do it. So explain what you do for a living to an alien. Another one of my favourite <laughs> questions. Now we're getting into uh, real visual effects, aliens rocking up at your front door. So how do you think yeah. about that? Oh my gosh. Okay, right. I'll give this a go. So I brought, I find other humans and give them a job to make pictures move for the humans. <laughs> make pictures move. I love that. Yeah, I think they'll understand the concept of employment, these aliens, right? I know. Well, I, I, and well, that was like, I thought job. And then I did think, oh, how do you explain a job? <laughs> you get a reward for doing <laughs> tasks. You get, uh, yeah. Or... yeah dig deep on that one what what is it what do I do really <laughs> I like that yeah and again I've mentioned this on previous podcasts but almost want to change this question to uh, explain what you do for a living to your parents or your, your mom or dad because yeah. it's the same thing I'm, I'm not sure my my parents really know what what I do to this day so it's uh same context no. probably less scary my son thinks I make Star Wars so I almost don't want to shatter his his absolute like dream that I think you, you know he thinks dying I out for a while I think you're almost kind of like I am you and Santa Claus kind of hanging out yeah. he, makes, he makes all the, the Star Wars legacy stuff and uh, yeah I'll just yeah I'll just ride it for a bit till till he realizes I think so I think so it's something cool and for then, him to talk about it yeah. then he'll be asking for a job I'm sure exactly exactly <laughs> brilliant that's a, a good strong answer Leanne so staying in kind of uh, talking about kids, uh, when you were a kid uh, back in the day, whether it was uh, your time in South Africa or when you came back to, uh, to the UK, is what did you want to be when you grew up? What was the big aspiration when you were younger? So I remember for quite a while, I wanted to be a vet because I loved animals, absolutely loved animals. We left our family dog in South Africa. It's a heartbreaking story, oh, this. I know. And... And then, and then we didn't get another one. And I just absolutely, it devastated me. I remember that feeling. So I, I loved animals, always had other pets and things. And then I found out it was like a seven-year degree. And I was like, oh, maybe that's not. That's a long time. But a lot, yeah, it's a long time. But my, my biggest ambition was always to be an animator for Disney. I wanted no to work for Disney. Yeah, that was, that was just my, I've always drawn I'm a massive Disney fan. I still am, obviously. So yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to work for Disney, and I got it actually wrote in mission statements and everything. Just like, how on earth do I get to do that? Wow. I mean, I have in a way. That, what that sparked was, that? that? What, what Disney interaction sparked that for you? I whether it's Disney. I mean, my my favorite my favorite film from being sort of eight, I think, was Clash of the Titans. My when we moved back to England, we lived with uh, my mum's parents for a while, and my grandma, she was a big Jess and the Argonauts fan and Clash of the Titans, and I remember watching it on the Beatmax, as my age, and I was just absolutely mesmerised by the Medusa. Yeah. Um. Oh my God, and just that suspense and just that 
and it was stop motion animation but just animation and mm. so then yeah that just really and I was just sketching just like drawing it all the time and and then yeah just any Disney film I remember uh, going to see Little Mermaid in cinema I think it was my first cinema trip my auntie took me when we got back to England and just yeah it just like things looked so pretty and cool and just not even the still, but just like the music and the score going over the top mm. and just absolutely loving that world. And it never, it never stopped. Like I never stopped being a massive cartoon fan, even through like the teens. And my sister is a dancer and she, she danced in the Disney parade at, in Paris when she was about 14 and we, and we, and we went with her. And that was my first trip to Disneyland. And I was just like, you know, 16 at the time and just I just want to be in this world I loved it absolutely loved it which then I which is why that led my decision to go to art college um, which you know I remember that 15 was 16 when I went to Disneyland yeah. that that was the time when do you do sixth form what do you do and there's a fantastic college called the Northern School of Art in in Middlesbrough and at the time they were called Cleveland College of Art and Design and I was like yeah this this these are my people this is what I can draw I can create all day I don't have to do A levels to be to, I, I was in loved it yeah art school was great got fond memories of, of that my yeah. formative years as well when you got to just create for all day yeah oh take me back it was just yeah brilliant time well, great to have another Ray Harryhausen reference with uh, with Clash of the Titans. We're getting a lot of those on these podcast episodes as as inspiration fodder. And I, yeah, I, I, I mean, he's obviously like followed since now in my career, but at the time was just having no idea really. I just he he was as significant as he was, and had such an impact. Yeah. On and to draw on that, like, gosh, yeah, Clash of the Titans and. I watched it on Christmas again and I, I made my twins watch it and I was just because I was just like, I want it's them. It's great. All it's that stop motion so stuff, good. it still works. Like yeah. the skeleton armies or everything in Clash of the Titans or yeah, yeah anything that was, even, I mean, I always I always talk about Robocop on this podcast because there's some great, that ED209 <laughs> stop motion scene still looks great. Obviously stop motion, but you love it because the, the story's so good yeah. and who cares if it's a little bit, you know, little bit patchy yeah. you know? it wasn't you know it's not 2022 it was like back in the day but what the amazing thing is is you can still see the influence in exactly. today's stunning stunning what you can still see that in because the story and the way that it was the it was built and and, and the animation was used is just yeah it's still referenced today so yeah, so yeah definitely exactly i love that i'm in danger of getting into a animation wormhole so i'm going to rein <laughs> yes. myself in and ask you because you've touched on higher education you've talked about the art school and the school of art but i know you were uh, you did your ba at teesside so what made you choose teesside uni as a university option well uh, so yeah so i finished my i did 3d design at art school which sort of is like a bit like a foundation you cover everything and there was a module where we learned 3ds max so like the 3d side and we did a bit of animation and i actually started on the animation degree at teesside so this isn't on my linkedin so that's what i went for because i saw that as my ticket to pixar and to disney okay. uh, i i you know obviously i was local teesside uni is a 
fantastic and even then was fantastic university yeah, animation and visual effects as we know and i'd i'd read on the the course description that pixar take take a cohort of students on like their summer and i was like oh my gosh this is it didn't really i was sort of blinded a bit by that and i started and it's a four-year course and i just was like going from do you know what art school is like so creative so hands-on to I've got two years of just basically lectures I I I was just like this isn't for me so I, I took I took a year out and I transferred to the interior design course at Teesside Uni but for the following September which was a continuation of basically my course at art, art school and like spatial planning and design and like the creative side interior design so I chose the university because of the animation degree but I I took a bit of a side door across but funny enough throughout doing my degree I fell back to the 3D side and the, the visualizing side of of the work and I absolutely loved I did like sort of like my final project was a you know I could fly through this interior and so actually I really love I really love this side of design so yes so what I did in that year it, what I did in that year year out I got a job um, teaching art workshops for like diverse groups around mm-hmm. the northeast and and carried on working throughout my so I, I did that for four years and that was oh that taught me so much because it, in what I do now it's using it was using crafts like uh, graffiti art card making you know digital like basic photoshop to groups of to groups of young people um that that wouldn't have necessarily you know they'd fallen into different paths um so so yeah and that and that was just really rewarding and it was a really important thing to do I think in that in that year out to just finding out who I am and what what makes me tick that's so cool. I think what I'm hearing there is just, again, knowing what you love to do or you know, being really authentic. Because like you say, you went to Teesside and it was just lecture upon lecture and you know, great degree, potential Pixar kind of connection. Yeah. But you were like, you know, I can't, I'm out. I can't sit in lectures for you know, indefinitely for years. And you made that conscious decision to do something that you you wanted to do or you an area you would thrive. And there's been those, those lovely career snake moments where you just do what you want to do that you use the term rewarding do stuff that you know whether it be the extracurricular stuff stuff you did with the, yeah. the diverse groups and the, and the art teaching whether it was pursuing your 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 education your way does that make sense yeah when I made a, yeah no it is no it is and I think that's sort of been a bit of a pattern that's always been mm. um and my mum probably will vouch for that that I know my mind and I will just because obviously mum dad I'm I'm stepping back I'm not doing this degree they were like what, yeah. what, what are you doing what are you doing I'm like I know what I want to do I've before I even told them I'd already gone to the design studio he said met with the interior design lecturers and the architecture school realized that there was a link with the visual effects um VR because of they were introducing 3D into the course and I'd already crossed all the T's and said this is what I'm doing because this is my this is my plan uh, and it's I think you just have to always do that you know trust just trust yourself trust your gut because don't don't sit there for you know I could have sat for a year or two and just bumbled along knowing that this 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 wasn't for me but yeah 
made the call early and I'm glad I did. Yeah, 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 me too. I think it's, it's just great. I just love that, just taking control of your own destiny and not doing what's expected, the whole idea. I mean, I did it when I did my movie. I did A-levels for two years after I did my GCSEs, show my age again. And I just did it for two years. I hated it. I had got no rubbish grades and I just did it because it was kind of what you did. You went did your GCSEs yeah. and then you did sixth form for two years. And, if, you know, don't have many regrets, but that was pointless pointless exercise yeah. so I, I, re I really admire that yeah particularly at that young age just you know really taking control of your own like I say your own destiny that's great yeah you realizing you've got choices I think mm. that's it so many people and so many of my friends did that they just you know when it was GCSEs and then well we just got to the sixth form because yeah. that's what we do and it was because of that Disneyland trip I was just like is there another option mm, exactly like, what about art school like I want to do this because that you know it's a choice and yeah. to, to realize that you've got that so yeah brilliant such a good story from about storytelling again Leah yes I love it story time so let's get in more story time how did you what's the big break then so we talked touched on you kind of you know working through the various studios as a 3d artist you know what, what do you consider your big break in industry well I've got two two lives really I've got my so like BP before pandemic, I said BT before twins and uh, AT after twins. So, <laughs> so my, my big break into being a 3D artist was when I graduated my degree and realised that I wanted to focus on the 3D side of things. I, I got a job working on the London 2012 bid, the Olympic bid. So there was a studio in London in Surrey 3D studio doing the um, visualizing what London would look like this was in back in 2006 by the way it would look like to win the Olympics and there was a lot of dressing stadiums and planting trees and and that for me was you know going from studying to working on a live project that potentially be change life-changing for a lot of people in in the UK bringing the Olympics to London so so that was and that's where I met my husband as well at that, oh, at that studio he was the graduate the year before me and then their their tradition was that the graduate the year before would call the new hire and offer you know some advice and just like relocating to Guildford which is where it was so we do laugh that he took that literally, sort of like 20 years later. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. But yeah, no, that was that was my big bit. And that set me on the course for my 3D career. And then after twins, obviously, yeah, spoiler alert, I, I had twins and I realized I, I I needed to change. I didn't I didn't want to be on the box anymore. Um for different reasons we can get into later. But there was advert for uh, Ardman because I was in Bristol at this point. Ardman were looking for like a talent scout and it was like 15 hours a week. It was very specific. They wanted an ex-artist to, to be this like recruiter, you know, the scout going around the different schools. And I, I was like, I think I could do this because I'd sort of been doing that in my company beforehand and it's fitted with my new responsibilities to ease back in and so that that was my big break into this second second part of my career 
Yeah, yeah. And again, it goes back to what we said earlier about you taking charge of your career again. I mean, what made you get out of being on the box, as you say? You know, what, what was the, the turning point for yeah. you? Yeah. So we, so I ran, me and my husband founded a, an animation company in, in Bristol, the White Balance. Um, for, so I stepped back after 10 years, but I mean, I was probably active for about eight years. And we, we started that company in the 2008 recession brilliant where the we both come from like architectural visualization and marketing images the work stopped because because of the recession so we realized well actually we've got this toolkit where we both creative we both know 3d and we we switched to like an advertising working for advertising companies working on you know, the, the brilliant 30 second intro videos on, on websites, landing pages, telling stories, back to that, uh, product visualization. We literally just were doing anything we could uh, and, and we grew it, you know, and I was towards, towards the end, I was more sort of like pitching and working on like the bidding side and hiring all the freelancers and managing. I sort of coming in at the end of processes like tidying up images or animations or at the start and when when you become a or when you know you're going to become a mom you have a lot of thinking time because you really reassess well how on and and then obviously the double whammy that it was twins how on am I going to carry on doing this and I could have and because I an advocate now for women to carry on but it was I think my passion for it had gone I was like I just feel it's a bit samey I'm, I'm not getting from it and actually I was looking for reasons to not carry on which then that told me it's time for a change so I focused on getting through the twin pregnancy I did I tied up the last few projects mm. uh, had the twins obviously that engulfed my life for a good six months just surviving and then I really started looking and I thought you know I've worked for myself for so long run our own company I I'm looking for the next step I'm looking for where I can start making a bit of a difference and that's what attracted me to the, the and the fact it was Ardman and I was like oh my god yeah know, right going back to a classic stop motion animation yeah yeah, it's a, when you live in Bristol, um, Ardman is like this. Mm. And even where it is as well, in Gasferry Road, it's sort of like on the river. And it's a very iconic part of Bristolians because yeah. of the history. My husband's a Bristolian as well. So, so yeah, I went, I went for it. And uh, the, the, the girl that was leaving the role, uh, Tessa Mapp, Chef Tessa, I connected with her previously because she was a freelancer and and I just messaged her and I said do you think do you think I could do this I really like the job description but I'm not recruiter I'm not HR like I'm I've come from an artist and she had done exactly the same thing so she'd had kids and did this role and she was just like you need to come in and speak to us because I, I think you don't realize you have been doing the role and yeah and then the rest is history Amazing, amazing. And just uh, again, going back to knowing that moment where you kind of, your heart wasn't in it previously, you know, going, I'm, I'm done now, you know, the passion has gone and making that conscious yeah. choice to go, you know, obviously had a lot going on at the time as well with, you know, your baby, your baby boys, but then just making Boy that conscious decision. <laughs> Sorry? 
Is it a boy and a girl? Is it a boy and a girl? Oh, forgive yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll stick with twins. Fun, fun fact, my sister's got twin boys. Oh, really? It's in the family? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> a little bit. But yeah, just having all of, yeah, that happening with your twins as well. But just, just making that decision again to kind of, you know, to, to take that, that, that move. And again, it was a really brave move, but just a testament to your, your authenticity and your, um, yeah, your, your approach to, I guess, life and employment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Very and cool. it was a big change. It was a big change. So moving on to, so the, this question can be cut in various different ways. Uh, the question is favorite job. When we talk to, you know, VFX artists and producers, they often talk about projects or a show. In your case, you can pick in terms of yeah. it could be a job you worked on in, in terms of show or it could be a job in terms of employment. But I'm just going to ask the question, Leanne Lochran, what's your favourite job? My favourite job was teaching the art workshops. Nice. Um, it, it, that, and, and that being, and I think at the time I didn't realise because I saw it as it's it's my side job, you know, I'm, I'm studying or, but I just pull on those experiences and those talking about what happened the people I met and the experiences I learned literally daily you know I pull on that so I I think for me the job has just grown and grown which is yeah I think it was just an important time so that was my favorite and it just being a bit more care you know at the time I'm, I'm carefree I'm studying and yeah. I was lucky enough to live at I lived at home because it was obviously a local university and this was around the northeast which was my home so so yeah that was my my favorite time as yeah. well as favorite job you get to give back a bit as well and do something yeah. that you know isn't isn't for the for the big bucks you know i think that's a, it's an important thing no it's i mean one of the one of the projects that we had was we rented a like a pop-up shop in middlesbrough town and um we were given it was about 10 10 young people who for different reasons had come to us because they were either young offenders you know there was a teenage pregnancy there or just like this collective group and we were saying okay we've got a shop we're going to spend three weeks creating stuff to sell and then we've got three weeks we had it six weeks to open a shop and run and you're going to be handling the money and you're going to be selling the products that you make and they were just like we can imagine the responses that we got and absolutely no no belief in themselves and one of the products was candles and I was had having to research how to make a candle because I wasn't a candle maker but I'm having to like teach this group of people so I'm like ordering lots of wax and just like practicing these kind of making these oh. candles on an evening parents are like what are you doing I'm like because tomorrow I've got to tell this group of people how to do this and then we're going to put different scents in and sell them. Along the way, they did like canvases and, you know, like cool illustrations and, and whatnot. And they did it. And we, and just watching that transformation was incredible because they full on didn't believe that they could do that. I mean, I didn't believe I could. And we all just had this like really successful shop that we ran for three weeks. And it was just awesome. I love a little moment, a three week moment in your life yeah. where you were. A candle maker. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh God, I've been a candle. I've been a face paint artist as well. I haven't put that in there. That wow. snuck in there. <laughs> I, I, I need to redo the intro. I think with all of these yeah. uh, these tidbits. Um, so, what on the flip side of that? Then, what was your most challenging? We've changed the question from worst to most challenging job. Try and keep it positive. Yeah, 
definitely and I like that that it's not worse it's challenging so if we fast track to when I started Outpost we we left Bristol because we relocated we wanted to relocate to the sea and I knew the guys at Outpost and they, they hired me as their first like, talent manager recruiter they had nobody in HR there was 30 I think I was employed like number 31 or something but they just landed HBO's Watchmen oh, uh, which is their first and they were just had expanded their floor and said I started in the September 2018 and they said you know by January we need to be 150 people we need to and like they visually walked me through this empty these empty studio rooms there's all desks all the kit was there and it was like a visual there needs to be 150 people now totally need to fill this up Whoa. and I was on my own and that was because this is pre-pandemic so remote work wasn't a thing it mm. was people relocating for these these contracts to to bond yeah, and it was so daunting we talk about imposter syndrome later but mm. I was just like oh my gosh and then not no support network either to fall back on the power and I think can do this and and I did it and I did it and then and then and then they opened Montreal studios <laughs> like oh brilliant <laughs> <laughs> carries on but that was that was it was challenging but it was also really rewarding to fulfill to achieve that yeah yeah like you always have that moment where it's like oh my god what have I done and then you Completely. get it done because you do yeah. you know yeah you just get stuck in get it both done. feet yeah wow yeah yeah, I can imagine the old imposter, imposter syndrome <laughs> crept in with that, that beast and did a great show as well. I mean, we're back back then, I guess you, I imagine you couldn't talk about it, right? Was it just about crewing no. up? So, yeah, absolutely. I think we, we couldn't say it was Watchmen. We could, we, could, we could use HBO, which was obviously a saving grace to have that help when marketing. And, and I teamed up with this um, fantastic Steve Holmes, who's head of marketing outpost and he was really collaborative because, you know, it's just like, we need to do this together because it's marketing Bournemouth, it's marketing. But there was no, you know, so I was handling, obviously, the hiring, but also one stage handling the HR side and at one stage handling the relocation as well. So That's it's massive in itself, pieces. isn't it? I mean, not only oh, do you have the recruitment piece, it's literally yeah. the... The logistics of relocating people I mean I've been there for my yeah. HR days but not at that scale and yeah. it's uh, no mean feat no is it and obviously the the irony is to do that now would be so much easier because of mm. remote work you know exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah here we go here we go but yeah no at the time it was very it was, it was not at all possible from the client point of view so yeah it was yeah sometimes it was it was it was challenging yeah no, I can imagine I, I won't lie congratulations on getting through that and great answer to most challenging job really the best <laughs> best one we've had yet so we're going to get to a, a short geeky section so a quick quick fire yep. geeky section who is your vfx or animation hero so we've mentioned that the mighty harry Housen already haven't we but do you have a somebody who is a bit of a yeah bit of a aspirational hero yeah, I'm going to be really annoying because I don't have one. I have a group. But yeah, obviously, Harry Housen was up there. I, I thought about this in two parts. I was like, okay, so I've got my icons who have always been with me, who I've had. There's uh, Spielberg, obviously, George Lucas. Harry Housen, as I mentioned, 
also like sold bass. Oh, that's amazing. Know. Yeah. That takes bass for graphic yeah. design days, that does. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And me. And also the again, so bass, how he he now is so influential on style and and pairing with the greats like Spielberg and you know, if you look at intro of Mad Men, intro of Catch Me If You Can and all of these these title sequences, but the bonds as well, like pull on pull on Soul Bass. So again, true. he's a big icon for me. And then and then I've got like my current heroes. So I, I'm always like a big like fan though, a little bit. So that ILM were lucky enough to have some really strong female leadership in the company. So you've got Kathleen Kennedy. And just having that access to her and, and obviously internally just, just mm. being under that leadership is incredible. Um, pinch me moments. And 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 again, we've got Sue Lister, who's executive charge by them. And I just like am in awe of Louise Hussey, who is, is obviously such a great voice. And see and partnering with Louise and seeing what she does daily for the for the fight for gender equality in VFX oh, yeah. is, yeah, is just and, yeah. yeah and then I see it on the ground and I'm just like it's not it's not just oh it's a it's a workshop every now and then or it's it's post it's it's daily changes every mm. meeting so so I've got fast becoming v, like current VFX heroes in the female leadership mm. right now in my life Again, there was a there was I had a really strong manager, head of production at Ardman um, CG department, lady called Jess McKillop, who was so influential to me because she was a working mum, and this was my first role from coming from being self-employed, and and having she was my manager, and I was just in awe of watching her juggle like head of head of the CG department. She was an exec producer, but she's a working mum. And I was just like sat opposite her and I was just like, you are incredible how you hold the room, can can whip all these, <laughs> these artists into shape and, and production teams, working in commercials as well, as you know, yet yeah, has this vulnerability of, I got to go, my kid needs me. And I just thought, you know, at the time, my, my twins were one when I, when I got a job and I was just thinking, yeah. So you're a hero. You stay with me. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, I, and I think you mentioned vulnerability there. Like, you know, it's almost like, you know, I remember years ago, years and years ago, when I, you know, I, when my son was born, and I'd have to leave early to go to a nativity play or, or pick my kid up, and you'd yeah. feel the eye rolls, you know. Yeah. You know, and just say, just to own it and go, look, I gotta go because actually, this is this is more important than this. You know, this is what yeah. you know. You know, my, this is my family, and I think that's. Uh, yeah, to just have, wear that as a badge of honour is so, so vital and so important. Be unapologetic yeah. about it, you know. Oh, 100%. And, that, and I've got that with ILM now. It's it's not been everywhere. Um, you know, as to bring it back to sort of like the Mother's Day special and fathers having that, having that, that feeling of guilt because you've having to leave. But ultimately, every parent's main priority is our children like 100% above everything? We make we make pictures, you know that that is that is time that you maybe never going to get back. And just having that understanding around you, leadership, and also it's not just that they're saying it, 
because witness that before they say it but they don't live by it and don't mean it whereas now it's you know it's not do as I say not as I do it's do as I do and my manager Lisa's in in um, San Francisco and she again is another icon to me she uh, is the head of talent acquisition for Disney and ILM and she you know just just lives by that your kids are your priority we were on a meeting last night and um, it was obviously early over there late here and I said our oh, bedtime's happening on the, the wall next door and she's like go go give your kids a kiss and cuddle we can pick up in an hour and I did and I just love that yeah exactly yeah, the work will always be there yeah absolutely exactly. good good well, I love that and uh, yeah VFX heroes I love you got that balance <laughs> of big directors and creatives but also people in your sphere of influence and yeah. you know the, the, the great female leadership that you have I think is is a great answer so I'll allow the many the many heroes thank you one. it's okay <laughs> as it's you uh, so what's the best best shot you've ever seen best or best animation you've ever seen you know what's uh, and again these are really unfair questions because it is literally like pick, picking a favorite child which I hope you never get to do yeah but, sometimes yeah right <laughs> yeah what's the best vfx shot or animation you've ever seen i'm gonna go historical again and just trying to remember the time and how it made me feel so it was probably watching jurassic park watching that i remember going to the cinema and my dad took me and being absolutely terrified i sat with my feet on the chair because you know that scene where the kids are going up to the vent in the roof and yeah. the raptors are coming and Amazing. pulls his feet up. I sat with my feet up cinema the whole time because I was just like absolutely terrified. So it stuck with me such a long time. So the work and obviously Spielberg and just the music and just everything around Goosebumps around Jurassic Park. Um, and then the same thing happened when I watched The Matrix again oh, God, yeah. and it was I was like teenager I was at school and I'm with my friend we watched it video and she was like oh my god I've got the matrix on video you've got to come around and we just watched it three times I think back to back and it was to talk about a shot it was the uh, trinity when she goes up in there and the camera does that oh the, the opening scene yeah, yeah. but the piece? first and I just know I'd never seen that happen before and just yeah and film just doing something different to you same happened on avatar to me i watched that was the first one i watched in 3d and again just like absolutely just as like iconic films just been blown away by the advances i think in the tech and then my final answer which is sitting really present with me and i'm just gonna which is probably like the next question but is june Oh, my gosh. oh June, what, the original the new the, the, the new yeah. yeah yeah and yeah. and again that's these times these films happen this happens to me that same thing happened Christmas when I watched that I've just been taken away absolutely transported and blown away yeah that was yeah I saw that last year at the cinema as well one of the rare cinema trips that I, I get to make these days and so yeah. glad I did because it was just so immersive wasn't it I mean it's come up again yeah. on the podcast a few times where working in visual effects you often find yourself cross-examining the visual effects and you know how did they yeah. do that and what did they use and da 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 
whereas yeah a lot of the, the vfx supervisors we've had on the, the podcast have all said they didn't do that on this no. uh, with this film they were just in they were all in absorbed in this this world and created the music the score the whole the yeah. whole piece the storytelling of course that's that's a great example yeah good a few good some great notables <laughs> though there i mean the matrix jurassic park i mean cranky oh. i mean yeah, I remember seeing the Matrix in um, Peckham cinema in Peckham back in the day, and it was the crowd. The, the the crowd is the first time, first and only time I've ever been to a cinema in this country where people were just like clapping and Cut, yeah, and just to go, you know, literally fully geeking out. You know, oh. at the lobby shootout scene or the bullet time. You know, opening the opening set piece, just insane. Yeah. Still stands up now. It's bonkers. It does, and it sparks you know just like this like it's that good obviously the trilogy but then it sparks the iconic nature of these characters and then they're just like it's now just like ingrained in culture and Mm. references and so when something like that happens from like an ip it's just like yeah i just i yeah i love love it so good and uh yeah rage against the machine at the end as well so good so <laughs> anyway, I'm going to move on. I think you may have already answered the next question. So we talked about this. That was about shot or scene. This is about yeah. show. So the show that stands out yeah. as a masterclass or a pinnacle of the art form. What would you go for? So I'm going to go for June yeah. for that one because I think it was from when I was when I watched it, and I do the same thing. Like I now watch anything with VFX. I'm like, who's done it? Like watching at the end. Who's who do I recognise? this I was just transported because I think my love of like architecture and like the built environment that I've always had and I just was absolutely in awe of the cinematography each frame looks like it could be a piece of art just the composition the the colors the grade the designs the seamless VFX where it is an art bomb because you don't even go I've seen you know judging what, what's happened or what's the, what's the better shot or just the whole thing and I wasn't expecting it either mm. I, I went I went to see it because it's like oh yeah this, this is a great new um, yeah, film there's lots of effects in I hadn't even watched the original I hadn't read the books nothing yeah same and it reminded I mean have you watched The Handmaid's Tale you know what? I've not got around to it yet but it's supposed <gasps> to be brilliant right it's so good and the same thing happened like with that it's the the use of the cinematography and the shots uh, and the environment is just incredible. So I I do love anything sort of like dystop, future dystopian feel. And I've since like with the Handmaid's Tale, I've read I've read the book, which was well in the eighties, and it's just I mean it's really good read as well now with what we've been through the last two years. It's a bit scary, but the way that that visual content comes out. And I think any cinematography. So yeah, June for me. That's a great right answer. Now, it's just yeah. And I'm gonna. I I'm, I need to break the seal on The Handmaid's Tale because it yeah it's not not been brought on the podcast a lot, but a lot of people have mentioned it just in general conversation over the years. And I've never got around to watching it. I'm in the market it's, for a new yeah. show at the moment. I've kind of wrapped up all my recent my recent binge watching, so I need to find something to get my teeth Do into. Do it. Do it. Yeah. It's brilliant. And Elizabeth Moss who plays. Um, I love her. She's in apps. Yeah. I love her and it's hard it's a hard watch it's yeah. not easy oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. content yeah but it is yeah it is it's very very good well, June June is a great answer and I've said this on the podcast as well like you just have you know Ed, you could you could press pause at any point and you've got yourself a great picture to put on your wall like it's just yeah 
and the color palette of you know the yeah. the whole yeah the whole I forget that I'm just going to say goodies and baddies yeah I'm old school yeah. but when you see the baddies it's all those the really dark blues and blacks and then yeah. it's all the desert kind of scenes and I don't know just love the different color palettes you know, to kind of create mood and it's just beautiful isn't it it's just beautiful it's absolutely so I was blown away by it I think I shouted out on LinkedIn after I watched it because I was just yeah. like it doesn't matter that which studio exactly you know it's you're it's like well done this is absolutely yeah incredible. that Thank goes you. back to what we said earlier it's about you know that's what I love about our industry is there's that community that sense of community yeah. that you know I can do this podcast and speak to so many people from different studios and it's just about the work and yeah and I think it was Annie from uh, Ghost VFX talked about, and there's enough work for everyone. You know, we're all in the same yeah. boat here, right? This is all about the, yeah. you know, the industry. So for the good of the industry. So I think that's a really, really important point to make. So I'm going to move on into character design. So again, this is where you get to fully geek out. And, you know, what's the best character realized for you on the big screen or the small screen? take it back to Ardman and the characters because how characters are just like integrated in Ardman's um, DNA and how they're everywhere in the building there I don't know if you've ever been to the building that Ardman I had the, not had the pleasure one day that Ardman so are members like a, so I'm gonna access VFX yes, members yeah. got some shadow <laughs> shadowy organization yeah no you have to well there's an absolute like gosh like 20 foot Sean Sheaf in the atrium and I'm that and sort of the characters and realizing then where they go from the design to then the films and the models, the physical models, because I got to see all the like the stop motion as well. But then how then then they're like, well, they're a game. There's an app on a game, John G. There's there's a student, there's a theme park in Japan that's you know fully fully characters up with the with the Ardman characters and then how they're just like, you know, the the machines are called the characters, you know, how the the rooms, the meeting rooms are all there. It's the, the power of the character design. And then you've got like Nick Park, who goes for coffee in the canteen still, awesome. is dotting around. And it's just, yeah, and then like, you know, something like Morph, <laughs> that was a character. So it's just like, I think all of the characters that I rediscovered, because obviously I knew who Wilson Connett were, I knew who Sean Sheet was, but I rediscovered them at my time at Ardman and just then realised the power of character design and how important it is. love that. And I love that Ardman still fly the flag for, you know, stop motion animation yeah. and, and real craft and, yeah, to this day, which I think is really inspiring. And there's so many of the studios out there now that do still do stop motion. Perhaps as a result, I don't know, but I'm not that well versed. But you know, there's so many different forms of animation out there now, and that handcrafted element of the craft is still so good. You know, it's so good, and and obviously with the Ardman characters, and then they translate now to CG, but they they keep that look of the clay yeah. and it's like the fingerprint, like yeah, it's like, the like, it's like yeah, yeah it's like CG characters, but they just have got that. They need to have that like authenticity of that look of yeah, yeah. the model and seeing oh seeing like the I did the visit of the man set and then obviously like the actual Watson Gromit characters and seeing them in with their like the, the metal biped just coming out because they're like half built and it was just yeah. it was amazing. So I can't not give the answer for Arden yeah. when yeah, character comes up. 
that's fair. I did enjoy uh, Robin Robin over Christmas. That was a beautiful yeah, piece oh, of Robin content. Yeah. That was great. All the, literally just like cuddly toys on screen. Yeah. <laughs> so good. It's story, story is the, the Back big, to story. The big piece. Yeah. So into the career advice bit now, which is quite exciting, our quick fire round. So what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Again, big question, Leanne. Oh, I know. And it's, and it's really hard because it's about me. So it's not what I'm giving. It's so what I received. And I think I'll probably just shout out to my mum, told me, you've got like two ears and one mouth. Mm. So listen more. And I, and I just, isn't it? And it's just it's so true. I just, so just to listen, 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 like before you speak, um, absorb everything. And I think that's probably what I use daily. Is such mum and for a parent advice, yeah. I'm going to say very apt yeah. for our Mother's Day special, like you say, Leanne. But yeah, yes. we take it that's up there and still, yeah, relevant any point in your life or career. So let's move on to we've touched on this already, but the imposter syndrome question Have you ever felt out of your depth or that you were faking it till you make it? Yes, yes, I think, and I think I've I didn't want to give like one one example because I think if I'm honest I feel it all the time I feel at different stages but because I think I've always felt it which makes me recognize is imposter syndrome it's not real because I did accomplish the things that I was worried about and but I will always remember every point and I think as long as we talk about enough vulnerability that even your idols and then I've heard like I've spoken my current VFX idols, ILM and Rooswalk, and they've told me that they've felt it. And it's like, well, okay, it's okay to feel it, but it's how you deal with that and not let it engulf you. But yeah, I'm not going to lie, it's always there. It's like a little. I think it's a good thing. You know, the more I ask this question, the more I reckon it's a positive thing to have it, that it yeah. keeps you humble and it keeps you grounded. Even popped up, I was watching, I'm, I'm gradually working my way through. I'm, I'm an old, old, I say an old, I'm an old man now, but I'm a big hip hop fan. And I've been watching the, the Kanye West documentary on um, yeah. on Netflix and I'm halfway through it, I'm episode two, and he talks to, bumps into uh, Pharrell Williams, the Neptunes. And Pharrell just talks, he says something, I can't remember exactly what he says, I watched it last night, but he talks about almost always being perfect, always you know, almost do it on purpose, almost introduce the idea of imposter syndrome on purpose. So you, you continue to push yourself and you continue to remain humble. I think it's, uh-huh. whereas when we first started asking this, this question, it almost felt like a bad thing. You know, we were talking about yeah. it before the podcast, you know, I'm in a new role at the moment, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of battling mm-hmm. that a little bit. And, and actually there's nothing wrong in being humble and being real rather than just kind of being perfect. Cause nobody is yeah. right. Nobody, I don't care who you are. No. And I'm, I'm interested, has anybody ever said that they haven't had that? It's episode 14 and everybody said all yeah. the time. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. So yeah, it's always there. It's just like you said, just embracing it. And exactly. Just, just, Case just, in just, point. Just, yeah, absolutely. Good, good. So another hypothetical. So we've had aliens. Now you're going back in time. So jumping in your DeLorean to visit your teenage <laughs> self. Hopefully you won't be too freaked out. And um, what <laughs> advice would you give teenage Leanne? Oh, this one. I I would I would say to myself, don't stop drawing, don't stop learning, and always ask the questions. Always ask the questions. You I think there's been times in my life that I didn't ask questions when I really wanted to know like the answer. I just really wanted to speak up and just be like because of that worry, like 
of me if I if I don't know that so I I would say to myself yeah oh and, and I and I still consciously as an adult tell myself question that ask if you don't know there's no silly question every question is is worthy so yeah I always call them perceived silly questions now and I always catch myself because yeah. it's all about perception actually there's no like you, yeah. like you say there's no such thing always be curious I always find you always yes. harness that curiosity and, and that yeah. learning mindset I think is huge yeah so and it's a confidence thing oh yeah massively and it's easier said than done, right? Because I feel yeah. like I'm only learning this now at 47 years old. I mean, I feel like I'm, I've started reading and I'm, I'm also getting all these juicy kind of you know, self-help books. You know, yeah. I'd, I'd give myself a reading list. You know, go back in time and go, right, get these on your list. Get these this under your belt. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Ask questions all the time. So that's the teenage piece. Now it's like what you <laughs> wish you'd known when you were starting out. So it's kind of similar, but not so what do you wish you'd already known when you were starting Amaday? Um, I think I w- I'd wish I'd known about more roles that were available to me. I think had I been starting out now, I, I probably would have gone on a different path and I probably would have headed more into like the VFX, even like production or artists, just, just knowing that that was a thing and that was available. I think for me, as we spoke about, the conscious decision to be like I want now I want to go to art school but it was just because I enjoyed drawing and I enjoyed creative and I was being a bit like well A-levels aren't for me so I want I didn't know what could come out of it I didn't know how to get to where I wanted so I wish I'd I wish I'd known yeah which which is the great work that Access VFX are doing now and like kids are realizing oh yeah definitely. What, what's there yeah is that I mean we we talk about well, roles in in our industry as hidden careers and they still are a bit it's really hard yeah. getting through to you know various kind of parts of uh, the mv the world you know to, to yeah. get, you know to actually raise awareness of a creative career and a creative career isn't just you know you're going to be a fine artist or you know no. you're drawing pictures for a living actually is there's so many i mean crikey i mean having watched the i mean i've been in industry the vfx industry for ballpark 10 years and mm-hmm. seen it just go from post-production you 3D, yeah. 2D artists and producers to VR and immersive and episodic and theme parks and just experiences and design and and how animation's blown up. You've got all this amazing like CG real stuff, but then you got we're going back to like we said earlier, grassroots 2D, yeah. you know, stop motion animation or, and the blend. Yeah. Sometimes just a blend of all of that. You know, it's, yeah. I think it's a really exciting time to be in the industry at the moment. Yeah, all these worlds are merging and like with the virtual production as well. And they're pulling on the like theatre set experience and set actual set design coming in and and just yeah, and just like world of architectures coming in because these worlds need to be envisioned and Mm. they need to be real and follow like a scale and like an actual like master plan design. So so yeah, I think it's definitely going going it's better, but I wish. I wish I could know all that and then start again, really. And just because it's, it's just like, exciting. It's a bit like Neo when he goes, I know Kung, I know Kung Fu. Okay. I know flame. <laughs> I know, I know Unreal. Yeah. Plug me in. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So what time in your career did you learn the most? I mean, I imagine it been when you're outpost crewing up that massive video yeah. show. But you know, what show do you define as the moment you learned the most? Do you think? I think I'd probably say that my time at Outpost, I 
I was there just just two years but I think it was probably six years worth of learning and developing and and it just like catapulted me to you have to do it because there's nobody else you know do it on the job so I think I am really grateful for that experience because I draw on that all the time and I and I definitely wouldn't be in the role I'm in today without it I think everybody needs a good baptism of fire don't they in any yeah. any role any industry any walk of life you know that one big thing that happens is that right yeah. do or die let's get this done yeah sink yeah. or swim because, yeah sink or swim absolutely and just like and then that confidence that comes from did it so yeah I learned I learned a lot and it was great you know pre-pandemic so it was around the yeah. studio so you've then got added luxury that we don't have now of like tapping people on the shoulder and yeah finding new ways to do that yeah. virtual ways yeah that is yeah right so we're heading into the big finish you'll be glad to hear leanne after this really right so it's the, the trio of, of final questions okay. so i'm just going to power through them and the the first one of the trio is what would you change about the industry i think this is a weird one because i think it's changing i think right now is like is a real change the guard really so I would change the that I faced before is sort of like old school legacy you know like preconceptions and bias about us you know that's film or that's just episodic that's not film or you know when when you're reviewing people so I change that it's changing and I think thanks to streaming in terms of Mandalorian quality mm-hmm. did, but it's not episodic. It's the same quality, same teams working on this as film. Yeah. So just, just removing bias, I think, is what I would, which, but I believe it's changing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was the big International Women's Day theme, wasn't it? Break the bias. Yeah, I mean, it's something yeah. that I've been doing a lot of work of, on over the years in my, my learning and development role. But uh, yeah, I think there's yeah definitely <laughs> literally breaking the bias, bias, and we're getting there. But yeah. it's a long road. But yeah, completely hear that. It is. It's not going to happen overnight because I mean you've got to remember as well this industry is so young. So young. It's so young. It's so it's like a it's like an adolescent, you know, that needs to mature, get to maturity. So we've we've been through that. We've rebelled. You know, there's there was like tantrum moments as it's all happened, and like and now I think yeah. it's coming into that. So like 40, 50 years in, it's like time to grow up now. It's that first phase in many ways, isn't it? You think about a generation. So you've got all of the founders yeah. of the big studios now mm-hmm. are all you know, either doing their own thing or retired or, yeah. or, or you know, dare I say, quite old. So I think there's now yeah. this new generation coming through who are, are changing yeah. the game. And uh, there's, they're there's changing a, the, the game, generation. absolutely. And they don't stand for any, like they, I think this is like generation Gen Z, is it? Yeah. I've done a lot of reading on, on how you engage with Gen Z and and the biggest and it's so inspiring that they just literally don't take any rubbish. They mm. want to know, want to know what your what your stance is on diversity. They want to know what what your work life balance is, and mm. you know they've got choices. So I think it's challenging, and yeah. it's just this this it, it's it's a clash, I guess, with the old school yeah. thinking. But that's something that the pandemic has helped with because it's just i think it's fast-tracked a lot of those conversations mm. it goes back to what you said earlier about what's the different way of looking at it now what's the creative mm. problem solved here rather than yeah. just kind of going in with that same mindset whether it's pre-pandemic or just a generational thing 
It's about actually how do I attract, you know, Gen Z is a great example of, you know, a lot yeah. of Gen Z aren't on LinkedIn. You won't find them on LinkedIn. Yeah. They're there and they're hungry. And yeah, yeah that's why yeah. FX joined the, got on board with the Eric, Eric Festival. They have a great app, which is all about targeting that generation. Oh, and they're doing some, yeah, yeah, doing some great, great work in that space. And then I'm sure there'll be a lot, lots more. Okay. So the last two, so I'm, I'm in danger of very overrunning here, Leanne. I'm so sorry. I'm that's all right. going to kind of wrap up with final two. First part of that is the industry advice question, which is one thing we can do as a step towards a more inclusive and diverse industry. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give a short answer and it just be stand up and call it out. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. When, call it out when you see it, I think, because if, if we do that and it brings it, the elephant out of the room and it's, and it's very much in conversation, I think that comes with confidence. So I think that's what if everybody collectively yeah, stands up, calls out bias when they see it. Yeah, yeah, definitely a link to the previous question, I think. Yeah, 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 just spot it, call it out and call it out on yourself as well. I always find I always like yeah. checking with your own bias. I think like whatever level yeah. you're at. Absolutely. I have to do it daily. We, uh, myself and Simon, uh, we run interview training and we, we, we talk about bias and unconscious bias. And um, and we've all, the reason why it's unconscious, everyone's got it mm-hmm. and it's okay. But recognize exactly. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Catch it. And then the big finish, we're going for the big finish before we close the vault, (laughs) Leanne, is the career advice question, your nugget of advice for anyone trying to get into the VFX animation or games industry. The big one, the big one to end on. I would say that you are your own brand. So you, it's it's up to you how you market yourself as the product. So with every product we buy, we like to know what it is, is inside there. Uh, so I would say know yourself, know, know what you are and, and sell yourself in the best possible way as possible because if you're looking to break into the industry, your first hurdle is always going to be applying somewhere, getting yourself seen. So do your market research, realise what it is you are, what your strengths are and who that would appeal to as the consumer. So think, I just try and think like box clever with it. And I always say to anybody who's looking to whatever stage they are, because you know, there's people that come to the industry from different walks of industry stages, different industries, try and think on the other side of the fence, who's going to be opening up this application, what they're going to be seeing, what questions are they going to be answering and make sure that you've got those answers in your, in your packaging, how you wrap yourself up. Because if you try and do everything, the chances are you're not going to be good at animation, comp and model. You know, like all, all these, these skill sets that are quite spaced apart on the pipeline, we're going to be looking at one, maybe. So to do it, do it well. And, and it's like, if you know yourself, you'll sell yourself in the best, in the best possible light. Whereas trying to cover as many bases as you can to give yourself the best odds is definitely not the way to do it. Yeah, so don't spread yourself thin. No, no, I think, yeah, it is definitely, it's all about, it's all about giving yourself the best shot because you've got, it's like the first door, isn't it? Of how, how do you get in and how do you do that? And to get in the door to get picked off the shelf, you need to give, give your product, which is you. Yeah, the best, yeah. the best packaging. 
Hey, a lot of talk about personal brand and thinking in terms of product, but literally, I love that you've literally sitting on a shelf. Why would somebody take take you off that shelf in the uh, in the, yeah. in the local store? Oh, I love an analogy, and yeah. I use this one quite a lot because it's like then you go to well, what shop is it? You know? Oh yeah, there's so a shop in this, you know. There's definitely yeah, there we go. <laughs> Well, that's a great that's great advice to uh, close the vault on leanne so i'm going to close the vault you know lock it and then we can enter the code next time but uh, leanne thank you so much for joining us on the podcast how can people reach out and get in touch because uh, i always like to kind of uh, leave this leave the floor to uh, any plugs or anything you want to leave our yeah. listeners with um well obviously you can find me on linkedin that's a great way to reach out to me. I do try to people as best I can. Bear in mind, it's probably 40 messages have landed as we speak I in my imagine. inbox. Yes. But I do. It's part of who I am. I do do try and get back to everybody. So find me on LinkedIn. Obviously, head to ILM Careers page. Um, see what we're actively recruiting for now. But it's just connect with people. Just make connections, whether it be ILM or different, different studios, I think just start the conversation because you don't know where doors and paths lead. Start the conversation. That's another nugget. Only allowed yeah. one, but you got you snuck <laughs> another one in, Leanne. Well, Leanne, thank you very, very much. Happy happy Mother's Day. I hope you get spoiled thank on Sunday. You. And yeah, thanks for joining us, Leanne. Have a great rest thank of your you. day. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for having me. I loved it. Well, that was episode 14 of the Access VFX podcast. What a conversation. I love that we ended on building your personal brand. Such brilliant advice. Before you go, a couple of things. Please go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, subscribe and leave us a review if you fancy it. And most importantly, please get involved with our Foundry-sponsored global e-mentoring program. If you are in the UK, USA, Canada, Australia or New Zealand, you can sign up for free to get an industry mentor or be a mentor yourself to folks aspiring or just getting started in VFX animation or games. Go to www.accessvfx.org forward slash mentors and change someone's life. Thank you to Leanne for being such a wonderful guest. Thanks to Tom Box for producing it and for the graphics. And of course, thanks to you for listening. Come join me next week where we speak to yet another amazing member of our community. And of course, a very happy Mother's Day. Thank you.